0: Okay, before I get to my next guest, Matthew Lawrence, I want to remind you about our friends over at Two Under. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs have just released their new Spring and Summer 22 collections, with fun, new, and exciting prints like the Freedom 2 and 3, Santa Fe, Tigers, Zebras, and Duckies, and their new exclusive Folds of Honor collection, where they donate 20% of all Folds of Honor sales proceeds to that cause. UNDR.com. Two Under Performance in Your Pants. Use code NEXTT20 that's N X T T E E 20 for a 20% discount on the Two Under website. Also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play plus four and release the secret that pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, Grip Golf Pride. Okay, now back with me is one of my all-time favorite actors, radio hosts, and people on the planet for that matter, and that's Matthew Lawrence. You guys hear me talking about Matthew's show Backspin Golf all the time because it's fantastic and the best way to start your Sunday mornings. You can stream it online by going to WLXG.com or downloading the WLXG app. The show starts at 8.03 a.m. Eastern Time. Going back to 2020, Matthew was recognized by the Kentucky section of the PGA of America as their Media Representative of the Year for his great contributions to the game. Among Matthew's great work on screen is his stellar performance as bass player Salamato in the movie Eddie and the Cruisers. You guys know is one of my all-time favorite movies. I've seen it about a hundred times, and I could recite lines with Matthew, which might be fun to do sometime. You've probably also seen Matthew on Saturday Night Live, Beverly Hills 90210, One Tree Hill, 30-something, and dozens of other TV shows. Matthew has also been a sideline reporter and hosted pre- and post-game shows for Duke Basketball and now Kentucky Basketball. He also hosts a daily show on WLXG ESPN Radio up in Lexington, Kentucky. He's a tremendous talent and an even better friend. And I can't thank him enough for coming back and being a part of tonight's show, Sir Matthew. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm exhausted listening to all that. I'm exhausted. <laughs> as you should be. You've done a I lot, mean, my I, friend. I have, and I'm really old, and and it's all settling in as I listen to you. And you left out a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, no doubt, you know. Well, but I mean, that, yeah, but that's okay.
0: I can't, that's but you okay. have your whole IMBD, whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> list of things yeah. you've done.
1: Yes. So, uh, how are you, my you friend? You left out the, the first job I ever did. I got a Coke commercial. That's how I is got that my right? bag car. Tell <laughs> that me that correct. story. And it was, it, oh, man. Oh, all right. You're going to make me cry again. That's I what I always do. do on your show. I yes, know that's, that's what, what I do. You do, <laughs> um, and I'm fine by the way. And thanks as always for including me. I mean, I always the thing is, I you, your guests are always so unbelievable that I always follow somebody and I sit there listening, and I'm going, I I can't be on the show with Bob Forge. Are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway. That was fantastic. Um uh, All right, the short version, <laughs> which sometimes I have trouble with as you know. <laughs> um I was I was in the early 70s, that's right. That's how old I am. In the early 70s, I went to the neighborhood playhouse for a year uh after I graduated from college and uh after that I started working as a waiter which I did for about seven years in New York City, taking acting classes uh, with the great Uta Hagen and uh just trying to get a job. And back then, there were no parts for young people. It wasn't like there was a 90210 or, or really any of those shows. And I looked very young. I looked a lot younger than I actually was. So I had a lot of trouble. I had trouble getting an agent for a long time. And I did off off Broadway theater and like most actors, as I said, I was a waiter. Uh my dad uh and this is the hard part. My dad and my mom were the most supportive people in the world and it was rough on my dad because he worried. He worried, you know, as parents do about their kids and He knew that I wanted to act, but I I couldn't get a job that would pay me, and I didn't have my Screen Actors Guild card, which to him was, that meant that I was really an actor. If I were in the union, that meant that I was really an actor. And I had a friend that I went to the neighborhood playhouse with who became an agent. And I used to go hang out at his office all the time, and, one day after literally about six or seven years of, of trying to do this, um, he finally put me in touch with the person at the office that sent people out for commercials and he set up an audition for a Coke commercial. Uh, he said, well, I'm, we're not going to sign you, but you know, go out on this audition. Let's see what happens. And I went out and I got this job and it was, The easiest thing I ever did was a guy in a pizza place in New York and somebody came up to the counter and I handed them a Coke, basically. And through that job, I got my Screen Actors Guild card. And I remember, oh boy, I remember calling my dad and telling him that I had gotten this job and that I, I would be able to get into the union. And he started to cry. And I come from a family of criers and uh it really was like a day that he said he never forgot because it meant so much to him that I was now kind of official, you know, and um the sad part of this is that the first real job that I got, which was a movie called Prince of the City um, with one of the great directors of all time, Sidney Lumet, um, and that's started my whole acting career. Uh, My dad passed away about two months before I actually got that job. But I always felt just that co-commercial and getting the Screen Actors Guild card, that's what I remembered about the joy he had about that.
0: Did he get to see you in the Mm
1: co-commercial? He did see me in the co-commercial. And that, too, was one of the great things ever. <laughs> but we didn't have cell phones back then. And so, uh, he tried to get in touch with me. And I remember coming home to a voicemail, uh, from my dad and how excited he was that he had seen me on the TV. And it literally was for maybe, I don't know, three seconds, <laughs> maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but it, that was enough for him.
0: Did your mom get to see you? And all the the movies and the things that you've done,
1: Oh yeah, yes, my mom uh my my brother Mitchy, who you've had on the show also, uh our mom passed away, I think it's only maybe four or five years now. She was in her early nineties, and she saw everything, um, and that's that was always such a blessing for me. I took her, your favorite movie. Eddie and the Cruisers, as a matter of fact, when we finished shooting that movie, uh, they did a, a rap party for the movie in down in New York City downtown at this huge bar where the whole cast and crew got together and just had an amazing night. And I actually brought my mom to the cast and crew party. Uh, and she had the time of her life and then. Uh, we saw the screening of the movie a couple nights later with the cast and crew also. And she was there for that too. She saw, luckily enough, she saw everything that I did. She came to, uh, when I was on duet on Fox for three years, she saw many of those shows. She came out to LA. Um, so luckily my mom did get to see a lot of, a lot of my work.
0: Matthew, speaking of Eddie and the cruisers and one of the many things that I find amazing about that movie it's how many cigarettes do you guys smoke? And that in making that
1: <laughs> how, how many cigarettes did you go through? And how did you guys survive that? Survive it was forty years ago. I mean I <laughs> I survived pretty well. <laughs> uh, I don't know, five packs a day. I don't you My gotta remember goodness. Here well here here's the thing. And I don't know how many it was, but here's the thing. Uh, and if you hear barking, my dogs are about to go berserk here on me. <laughs> I'm walking away. Uh, here's the thing, when you're doing a scene, movies like that, where, I mean, I've been watching, like we all have, a lot of Netflix and a lot of different movies and different things, and I don't even remember what it was the other night, I was watching one and every scene, every person was smoking. In every scene, it was something in the early sixties, I think. And when you're shooting a movie and you're smoking in a scene, every time they say cut, you have to, and then they go to do it again, you have to have the cigarette in the same place that it was before, after they do the master, which I've explained to you on this show before, which is the, the, the big shot with everybody in it. And then they, if they get that, they do close ups. So you're constantly like with smoking, you, I've done movies in Eddie and the Cruiser. Uh, you know, I've done movies where you had to eat something and you had to do it over and over and over and over again until you were sick by the end of the day. <laughs> um, so yeah, there was a lot of cigarette smoking going on then, <laughs> but everybody smoked back then. It was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's yeah. talk
0: some golf. I mean, uh, rumor has it this is a golf show, so maybe we should talk a little, a little <laughs> golf. And, <laughs> and, okay. <laughs> um, we haven't, we haven't uh, had you on since the Masters, so uh, your thoughts take me back to when you were watching Scotty Scheffler and what was unfolding and how well he was playing and, and Tiger sort of making his way, limping his way around Augusta National. What, what did you think about what you saw over the course of the tournament?
1: Well, here's here's the great thing, and as I've said to you before, I am a huge Tiger Woods fan. Uh, aside from everything that happened to him in 2009 and all that stuff, I'm just talking about the golf and his career, uh, and I've always been a huge Tiger fan in that respect, and even more so now. Um, so the whole week, Masters week, and the couple of weeks leading up to it, when we weren't sure. We didn't know if he was going to play, and then people started tracking his plane. You would see all these people just obsessed with, you know, the app where you can track a private plane, and he just left Florida, and he's on his way to Augusta, and, uh, you know, all that stuff. Um And then he played the nine holes one day and then went back and played another nine, and as that kind of excitement built, All I kept thinking was that, and I couldn't stop thinking about it while I was watching him the whole time, that a little over a year ago, he had almost died and almost lost his leg. And they told him he would never walk again if he lived. And what it took, he was in a hospital bed for three months after that accident. So basically, in nine months' time, the work every day for hours that he had to put in. And we all saw it when he was walking around Augusta. He can't flex his foot. He has so many plates and rods and pins in his leg. And all I could think about was what he was doing there. And all I wanted was for him to make the cut. That was, I kept saying, If he can play well enough on Thursday and Friday and make it through physically to make the cut, I don't care if he hits a tee shot Saturday morning and then says, I can't do it anymore. Just what it would have taken for him to make the cut. And what he did was absolutely astounding. Astounding for him to finish that golf tournament. You've been there and i've been there it's the hardest walk in golf and it's not even close and i i the whole time i just marveled at at what an incredible accomplishment that was and for his kids both of them um not just charlie but both his kids to see what he did for the last year and the love i mean on monday you saw the shots of the practice round. There were 10,000 people out there watching his practice round, nine holes. I mean, it, the whole thing, I'm, I still can't get over what he did. Uh, and as far, oh yeah, there was a golf tournament too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, Scotty Scheffler, what he did was amazing too, because, uh, of the way he carries himself, the way it, you know, these guys are all great. These, we know it. These guys are all great. And for the pressure, especially with him winning a couple times and then being number one after 70 tournaments where he didn't win and then he went three times and now he's number one in the world. And Cameron Smith, who I love that guy too, uh, to see that, that day unfold on Sunday, where everybody thought, oh, Scheffler's not losing this lead, and the next thing you know, it was one shot. And the way he responded to that was, I thought it was, a lot of people thought this was a boring Masters. I don't think, number one, there's any such thing as a boring Masters. And I thought, you know, what Scotty Scheffler did, and Cam Smith also, made for great television watching and a great golf tournament. And ending on Sunday, right before Scotty got the green jacket, those hole-outs by first Rory and then Colin Murakawa from the bunker on 18, that was among my favorite five moments in golf. That that was the most amazing thing to watch. As Murakawa's ball got close to the hole, I went, this can't happen. This cannot happen. So that's how I feel about the Masters. I thought it was great. <laughs> so
0: let's fast forward to the week after the Masters. We saw Jordan Spieth get his 16th tour victory during a week where he yeah. didn't putt, you know, very well. But as as right. I recall from listening to Backspin Golf, which you know I do every Sunday morning, um, you have played Harbour Town, you. right?
1: I have played Harbour Town. I I've been blessed to play it many times, actually. And, you know, the the great thing, Chris, and I always say this to you, too, when you've played, when you've been blessed enough to play courses, any course that you can watch a PGA event on television and and have been on that golf course and know what's there and how it feels on that hole and, just different things about it or where you could say, yeah, I've been there, you know, like when they hit it in the trees, that's when <laughs> I go, Oh, I've been there. I mean, I, you know, um, it, it's great to be able to do that. And for years, uh, my brother and myself and a bunch of our friends were lucky, uh, to play in a golf tournament in Hilton head for many years, a great charity golf tournament down there. And, uh, we play, we would, play Arthur Hills one day and then one other course and then Sunday we would get to play Harbor Town and uh actually this is this is a great so I just told the story to somebody the other day we we always talk about um people that we play golf with when we meet them on the first tee and we don't know them and what's happened there you know resulting from that I was at Harbor one uh year for the tournament and I showed up at, on the putting green and these three guys came up to me that I was going to be paired with that day in the, in the celebrity part of it. And this one guy had, he was where he, he must have had $2,000 worth of golf clothes on. He had alligator golf shoes and the most expensive shirt and straw hat and his clubs and everything. And we got to the first tee and I, is my custom. I started giving him a lot of crap on the first tee about what he was wearing. And, <laughs> and uh, I because I talked to him for a minute and I could tell he could handle it. So for about the first seven or eight holes, I was just merciless on this guy and he would laugh. And his son was playing with us that day. And about the seventh or eighth hole, we were waiting on the tee to hit. And I turned to his son and I said, what the hell does he do for a living? And his son says, he's the head of the West Virginia State Troopers. (laughs) (laughs) I said, what? He said he's the head of the West Virginia State Troopers. So I went walking over to his dad and I went, is he telling me the truth? Are you the head of the West Virginia State Troopers? He said, yes, sir, I am. (laughs) And I said, oh, this is too good to be true. I said, every one of us has wanted to talk to a state trooper the way I've been talking to you today. And I messed his hair up. I did all kinds of stuff to him. He, I wish I could, it's so long ago, I wish I could remember his name. But about a week later, I got a box, In I was living in L.A. then. I got a box uh that was sent to me, and he got my address through the tournament and sent me. A whole bunch of West Virginia State Trooper things, a beautiful tie that had their insignia on it and a, a baseball cap and all kinds of stuff that he sent to me. And when I think of Hildenhead, that's one of the first things that I think about. That's kind of a little <laughs> off the trail of the story. But um <laughs> that golf course is you. And again, as with most courses, Chris, you can't tell on TV. You really can't though they show you how small the greens are, they're smaller than that. I mean that is a really- it's beautiful, but that is a really difficult golf course uh and to see those guys, you know, and not all of them, a lot of them had trouble on that golf course, but to see those guys you know uh hit flop shots over bunkers when because you don't have to miss a green by much there. And the beauty is in the green there. So uh it's it was fantastic to watch. I love that Jordan won it again. Even missing a you know, four inch putt and putting as badly as he did, because I'm a huge Jordan Speed fan. Did did you see uh what he did at the end of the tournament with the kids? Yes. How great was that for for people listening uh who don't know what we're talking about As soon as he finished, he walked off the 18th green. He didn't know if he was going to be in a playoff. And there were all probably 30 or 40 kids wanting him to sign things. And he said, I have to go sign my scorecard, and I don't know if there will be a playoff. But whenever I get done, I will come back out here and sign. I promise. Well, we all know what happened. And it took about two hours. And he went and signed for every one of those kids that had waited for him for a long time. It was that was fantastic. I loved that guy, and I'm really happy that that he won again. Matthew, one more before
0: I let you go. When people get to be okay. a- around our age, we start thinking about oh, well, our well, legacy. Oh, wait a minute.
1: Gonna... Well, what? hold it, hold it. Excuse me, I have to stop you. When you say around our age. That is, uh is, you're the best podcast host in the business, but that's a lie. Okay? <laughs> it's just a lie. I don't want you to feel old. I'm not going to say you're old. Stop. Why not? It's the truth. Because. People can, can look at Wikipedia and see when I was born. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's just a number, Chris. Anyway, okay. Yeah, when you get to be as old as we are, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You start to think <laughs> yeah. about legacy and what legacy you're going to leave behind. And you're a person who has been woven in the fabric of entertainment for the 80s, the 90s, and obviously now on radio from transition from TV to movie, movies to radio. But you're, you've been the media representative of the year for the Kentucky PGA section. You've broadcasted for two of the top college basketball programs that we have in Duke and Kentucky. You host two great radio shows on ESPN Radio there in Kentucky. You've done this show or Thursday Night Tailgate 18 times, which I think is your best work, but I could be biased. But <laughs> outside of your family, your two boys, what's
1: the legacy that you want to be remembered for? Oh, boy. Um What I hope... See, you always do this to me. What I hope I'm remembered for is that I was kind to everybody. Um, And that's, I really, I can honestly say I have tried to do that every day of my life in one way or another. I haven't always succeeded. I've been pushed to the limit a lot of times, but I hope that when I go, people will say that I was really a kind man. I think that's, uh, especially now with the times we're living in, I think that's incredibly important, and I get I get that from my family, um, from my mother and father, and I hope that's my legacy.
0: Mission accomplished, my friend. That's already in the book. Matthew, before I let you go, remind our listeners again, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and listen to your shows?
1: Uh, you can listen to backspin golf every Sunday morning at 803 Eastern, uh, on WLXG.com and you hit listen live or you can download our mobile app. Uh, and that's for my daily show as well from noon to two every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, thank goodness basketball season is over. So I don't have to worry about that until next <laughs> October because it's a- that's a long season with a lot of stuff going on, Um, but WLXG.com is always the best way to find me.
0: Matthew, you're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for coming back and being a part of the show again tonight. I always cherish the time with you. I hope we get to do it again soon.
1: Me too. Oh, we will. Just ask me. We will. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, my Thanks, friend. Love you. It. All the best to you. Love your you, family. man. You, you too, Matthew. Pal. See you.
0: That's a great Matthew Lawrence. And, um, it just doesn't come any better folks. I mean, to go from Bob Ford to Matthew Lawrence, um, and then Scott McCarron to start the show, but, um, great, great individual Matthew Lawrence Says I love him. Like a brother that I've never met in person. <laughs> if you can believe that we've known each other for many years. Um, but it's always been through social media, phone calls and, and our shows. Um, Bucket list item is to uh, see Matthew Forrest in the flesh. But uh, a finer individual you will not find. And uh, if that's what he wants his legacy to be, to be a kind man, that is
1: already in the books. From a, a wonderful human being to a great actor to a great talent. I look forward to catching up with Matthew again soon.